Hi again, everybody. It's me, JR Mann. Welcome to your Life's Work podcast. Today on The Big Show, we're going to be talking about uh, codependency. The wife, Diane, my better half, uh, some of you call her Saint Di, which kind of pisses me off at times, but I mean, that's a whole nother story, but... I mean, it's earned, right? I think so. Yeah, so it's earned. Basically, the predicate there is because you're married to me, right? It's not necessarily yeah. that you're a saint. It's just that you right. married me. That I put up with you. Ah, that you put up with me. Okay, I got you. Hey, man. Let the truth fall where it will. We'll all be judged someday, I suppose. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyways, you wrote a blog uh, a couple weeks ago called Codependent Mom. Yes. And this caught a lot of attention because... it. You know, as I talk to people every day and as I've studied codependency or addictions, because that's what we're talking about. Codependency is people's addiction. Way back in the day, like we could get to the roots to it, like we go back to the 50s, 60s, even into the 70s when the codependency movement became a thing. Um, Basically, out of people or spouses or families of people that were connected to an addict, alcoholic, drug addict, you know, that kind of such and such. Anyways, codependency, people, addiction. When we lean into people so hard, it's to our own detriment. Are you vibing on that? Yeah. Yeah. So you write a blog because your journey with codependency became a recognizable thing in your life. What's the backstory there? The backstory is, uh, while raising my children, I definitely, uh, became a caregiver who lost sight of their own needs and their own desires and you lost sight of your your stuff yes and i just poured my whole self into the children which you know is okay as a parent to obviously you want to put your children first but not to the detriment of your own health your own mental health and also it can be to the detriment of the children yeah, rock that. That's that's uh, that's good all day long. I mean, the idea here is idea. The idea <laughs> is does that is in people addiction. We lose our our our, our who we are. We, right. we lose focus on ourselves. We lose ourselves in the mirror. How would you? When did you realize it? When did you When did you not realize it? When did you look at your life and go? I mean, I watched it, but I'm asking you. But because right. I'm a fellow codependent too. I mean, let's just get the record. Let's get on record. Um, when did you not realize it? When did When did all of a sudden it became very apparent that you had lost yourself, like a shadow? Like, oh my gosh, where'd Diane go? Well, I definitely did not recognize it when the kids were young. I was homeschooling them. Uh, also because of their past traumas as young children, I had poured myself into sort of unlocking or fixing them. And, you know, I just felt like that was the most important thing. So I definitely did not recognize that it was codependency per se, and that I had lost my identity. I would say at that time, the only time I maybe recognized that I had lost my identity was when I would ever be given, you know, or not given, but ever had time off or away from the children, I did not know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's real. Okay. So that, so that's super, super real. Um, for the record, those of you who don't know our story were the parents of three adopted foster care siblings. And all three of them came to us with different situations that, that needed, 
it still need need ongoing uh, resolve, love, and support. Yada yada yada. But I that right there is huge. I I'd I'd go to try to do me, and I'd have no idea what to do. Right. I mean, that's pretty amazing, right? Like, out of all the things that you love, like I can name a million things you love, and not one of those things were like, "Hey, I'll go do that." Right. Was that what? What was that? Frightening, scary? Like, what the hell? I mean, I can. Like, were you sitting in the van? Like, I can picture you sitting in the van doing. Like, what the hell do I do? Yeah, I mean, it was at the time a little bit sad. Um, Also, just knowing that. You know, I didn't know what to do with myself. I mostly would just go shopping or, you know, take even just take care of wrong thing to do. Take care of things for the family like while I'm away. <laughs> <Pay> bills. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, go run Get errands or go to the post office or stupid stuff like that. But, you know, um, it was later on we had been seeing. Well, we've seen multiple therapists with the children. And, you know, I think it was later on that we started sort of focusing more on hey, the parents need some therapy too. We started seeing some trauma therapy people, um, somatics, which talk about the body and you know how your body reacts to stress and trauma. And it was then that I think I was, I explored and found uh, a love of making jewelry. So that actually did become a thing that I did focus on and really did bring me some joy and separation from the codependency. Yeah. So not only is it a kind of a true self endeavor, a creative true self endeavor, but it's also an endeavor that has distraction to it that allows you to connect with you. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Thank you. All right. So, uh, so let's, let's kind of do a, uh, just the nut and bolts of codependency. Codependency is a learned behavior that refers to an obsessive need for affection, attention, and affirmation. It also is known as relationship addiction, or I call it people addiction, because this relationship is based on emotional dependency. It um, is the other side of that coin, and the other side of that coin is emotional, emotionally destructive and abusive behaviors. So first part of that sentence again, codependency, learned behavior, refers to an obsessive need for affection, attention, affirmation. So this, this can look a bunch of different ways. And remember, don't, don't be looking at other people while you're listening to this podcast. Don't be like, oh yeah, she's, and he's, and I know a guy. Do you, do you, do you have relationships that are revolving around, circling around, uh, an incredible need for an affection, attention, and affirmation. And it can look a bunch of different ways, y'all. It can look like Diane's story of like focusing so hard on the kids, the giving into human beings, like this nonstop giving, I'm exhausted, I can't give anymore, to actually the opposite side of that coin, which is that destructive and abusive pattern that we see sometimes with codependency, that almost arm's length out while you're while you're screwing with people. So there's a bunch of different variants here. Um, historically, the concept of codependence comes from uh, of describing family members of the alcoholic or the drug addict or the people addicted, like I said earlier before. So, you know, Diane's blog kind of hit a thing like, hey, 
I I feel that. I know that. Okay, so you're sitting in the van not knowing what to do. When when does it come to fruition? For, well, probably the jewelry making too, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. But when does it come to fruition to you that you're like, hey, man, I've got to really... And again, this is not about being selfish. It's really about understanding you versus understanding you through the children or you through me or you through other people, right? Right. So when do you start... When does that nut start to turn for you? Like, what, what did you realize? What was the conscious, holy sh... Like, oh my gosh, I've got to... Well, I would say that moment didn't come until much later and really fairly recently uh, when one of our children was having a pretty severe mental health crisis and the spiritual direction that I got, my spiritual director really helped me understand that you know, my child is close to an adult now and there was nothing really I'm going to do to change things and that helping me learn to let go and to understand that the choices they make are theirs and not I'm not necessarily even, you know, necessary. Yeah, ne- well, necessary in that you're not fixing anything. Exactly. Yeah, okay. So in that, that's a recognition of self, right? That's like, that's like the way I let go isn't atmospheric, esoteric, out into the ozone. The way I let go is to really understand me. And me, I can't fix shit about somebody else. Correct. Yeah. So that's how hard? Like scale of 1 to 10? Oh 11. <laughs> like, you still... You know, and every parent thinks, oh, I'm going to teach my child. I'm going to tell my child. I'm going to, you know, if I do it hard enough, they're going to finally get it. Well, sometimes they just don't. Because... On their journey, they're looking for autonomy and independence, and, you know, they're not necessarily wanting it from you, and that can be a normal teenage response, uh, but it just becomes more difficult when you're dealing with mental illness and trauma and, you know, a whole other slew of disabilities. Yeah. What were some of the things in you prior to this understanding of, hey, man, I really need to know who I am? What were some of the things that you were experiencing in your codependency with the children? Do you have like a, like a list of things that you were like, oh my, like, you know, cause we can go like, you know, low self-esteem, being either super responsible, super irresponsible, a tendency to confuse love and pity, you know, stuff like that. What were some of those, what were some of those things that you were, you were feeling, um, as you were marching through this? And of course this is hindsight, right? We're not, yeah. we're, you know, when we're not so again, we may know in a codependent state that it is to our detriment, but the consciousness really starts to hit when we start to go, I get it, but this is what I've got. What What are some of those things for you? Um, I would say the low self-esteem uh, or shame, the internalized shame was one of mine, but that didn't really come, like I said, I didn't recognize that in the early days. In fact, I very much enjoyed the early days. It was later on, again, more recently, that I had, I guess, shame or low self-esteem and feeling as though I had failed as a parent because my child wasn't, you know, succeeding. Yeah, you pour all this energy into them, and then whoever's around us isn't responding to our expectations in that attachment and then our world, like, we suck, we're bad moms, we're bad dads, yes. we're bad friends, we're bad, we're bad everything. Yes. 
Yeah. Is was there one incident that you remember without you know uncovering the kids' business? But was there was there one kind of Diane aha moment? Like holy shit, I'm backwards on this. Was there one that you remember particularly? Not really. <laughs> Sorry. Well, for the podcast, it would have been good at that point to have a Maybe story. Maybe you could have prepped me with that question. <laughs> one incident? Well, like, no, I not mean, one incident. Was there, like, you have this, can I talk about you a little bit? Yeah. Okay, okay. The, uh, you, you have this thing where you say, you say, I'm a bad mom. Yes. And it revolves around, like, there's a few, like, I, t- I tell my couples that I work with, there's only two, three, four, five things that couples are really battling with. It's not like this treasure trove of horseshit that we've got to go through. It's, you know, finances, sex, parenting, uh, view, worldview, religion. You know, there's a, a very specific focused things. For you, when you go, I'm a bad mom, um, and you're feeling that shame, it's you it's again i think it is usually when you do need to just recognize that the children are going to make autonomous independent decisions with natural consequences that's got nothing to do with you but you internalize yes their behavior and then right to shame yes yeah and yeah. and what in that in that i mean Again, that feels like shit. So what do you what are you doing? What when you're in that loop, what are you doing with that? Just more of that? Like, like does the the codependent just like the, the alcoholic will just keep drinking? Yeah, I mean, I think you then and you go, oh, I'm a bad mom. Now I need to do it this way, or I need to do this instead of that, and instead of letting go, backing away, you you then instill even more, you know, mechanisms to try to control. Yeah. Yeah, that and that's the de- that's the deal. I mean, what people don't understand about the mechanisms of control is they're actually feeding that shame, right? Because you're not fixing anybody, right? I mean, you have no control. Yeah, and then you're right. That just makes you feel more out of control. Yeah. So to love people without the codependency, what does that look like? Like to love, you know, one of our child, we one of our children has you know some severe mental, uh, you know, problems going on, just mental health issue. To love that child, what does that mean? Like to not be codependent, because again, you know me, like I'm a fellow traveler on the codependent journey. Mm -hmm. I find myself leaning in to want to just fix it. And for me, man, that's the gig, right? If I fix something, I just feel better about myself, better about the situation, less, less controlled. But ultimately, nothing gets fixed because at the end of the day, it has more to do um, with my people addiction than it does the actual health of what's going on on the other side of the fence. So what the hell, where was I going with that? I was thinking I was asking you something. I don't even know. I say I got lost in my own codependency. Oh, I got it. So to be able to, to be able to focus, what does love loving mean after you recognize the codependency? What does love then look like? Like, again, like, again, if we're overly obsessive, overly controlling, overly desiring our expectations over another person, what does love then look like? Because I would assume people, women, who, women, men who are listening to this podcast, parents who are listening to this podcast, they do want a modicum of control, but they also don't want to get lost. They, that, that, their, their identity, they don't want to lose that either. Yeah, I mean, I. From my own experience, I think the love came from having boundaries and setting them and sticking to them as far as 
you know, what, uh, what we or I was not going to allow or going to allow and then not letting them cross those. Yeah. So boundaries, love looks like boundaries, the ability to, and again, boundaries are yours, not necessarily the kids. Right. Our boundaries. Yeah. There, there are boundaries. So people get confused when they make boundaries. A lot of times we make boundaries and we're doing it for another person's behavior. So, uh, you know, the idea when you make boundaries is it's yours. It's Diane's boundary. Diane's. So give me, is is there a boundary that you're, that you're, that you're thinking of right now? Yeah. I mean, this was a little bit more when they were younger, but one of our boundaries all the time with the children was no one child was going to stop or, you know, take the whole family off the rails at any given time. Yeah. That's a great boundary. Yeah. 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 So for, and if they, and if they were doing that, there were natural consequences. Right. Right. The codependent would make that boundary and then never have the consequences come to fruition. Right. Right. The codependent. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like say the boundary, but then not follow through and yeah. actually have the boundary. Yeah. Because the codependent is looking for a real, again, that emotional attachment and obsessiveness to calm themselves, to find themselves, to center themselves versus the health of a family or the health of a relationship that everybody needs, every relationship needs some kind of structures and boundaries. That's all there is to it. If people are running you over, like think about your own life real quick. If people are running you over or you're running somebody else over, and again, it doesn't take too much to understand that these things happen. You got to dial back and really have this idea that if you can let go, you'll, you're actually loving yourself. Loving yourself is not a selfish thing. Loving yourself is not a bad thing. Loving yourself is the ability to allow other people to love themselves, right? You you can't be the only one in the child-parent relationship, but that's what codependency is doing. Right. Yeah, and a lot of times parents don't expect anything from their children, but, you know, children are in a healthy parent-child relationship. The child does give back in the ways that they can. Yeah, cognitively, right, yes. for wherever yes. they are. Yeah, right. absolutely. It's like that line in that that show we were watching last night where uh, she was talking about the six-year-old not listening, and the parent said, uh, well, she's six, and she said, well, the kid was born with ears. Yeah, <laughs> right. So it's the, it's the understanding that, it, again, it's, the, it's this understanding. If you, are, if you are heavily obsessive, emotionally attached to to a relationship, kid, parent, friend. If you're obsessively attached to it, chances are you're working with your emotions, not working with wisdom, not working with love, and either you're running them over or they're running you over and there's detriment on either side of the fence. Okay. So uh, you've, you've got, got like, like a list of, what, what do you got? Like um, symptoms or signs? Yeah, what do you got? Yeah, they were the characteristics. Yeah, do the character. In the blog. Okay, so. Characteristics of a codependent person. Uh, we've already talked about some, but I'll just go through. Yeah, yeah, fear, run the list. Fear of abandonment. Uh, you know, the fear that if you don't do all the things, all the things, that person is somehow going to not love you, remove their love, or feel like you don't love them. I would think, I would say that was maybe one of my fears. Is that you wouldn't be loved. That Yeah, that they wouldn't love me, that they wouldn't love me back. So I'm going to do all this stuff for them to show them my love. Yeah, that's tough. That's like living in people's heads right there. Yeah. Yeah, that's a tough one. Go. Keep going. Uh, low self-esteem we talked about. Anxiety definitely is a, something I have had and struggled with. Again, 
you know, probably out of the sense of not being in control. So it causes a lot of anxiety. Anxiety is fear of the future or worrying excessively about the future. And so, you know, definitely something I struggled with. Um, not so much anymore through a lot of work done with, you know, trauma therapists and somatic work. Yeah. The, the, here's the thing I say about anxiety and fear, particularly with the codependent, is every time I'm working with a codependent and there's heavy fear and heavy anxiety, when we pull back to center who you are, listing attributes of who you are, listing limitations of who you are, listing, you know, the wonderful mojo sauce that makes you you, that usually starts to pull away the anxiety and fear. For codependents, Codependents are usually living, literally living in somebody else's head. This causes fear and anxiety because you don't know, can't read, can't hear somebody else's brain. So you make up an incredible narrative, an incredible codependent narrative of either how you are limited, how you are will be abandoned, how you are not enough, how you will never be enough, and how the relationship will never be enough. So that's enough to cause it. So again, pulling back to center means really understanding who you are. Working with somebody that can help you do that is massive. Keep going. Uh, a need to control situations and people. What does that look like? like? Like, again, like I would say, well, you're a parent. You're supposed to control situations and people. Right, but when it, I guess when it's excessive or... Or you do it in a way of thinking you actually have control. Yeah, like, like, yeah, that, 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 yeah, because control is <laughs> like, like crazy illusion, right? Yeah, I mean, just you know, this is probably every parent's struggle, but just dealing with the smartphones and social media and all of that. I mean, you, we go and went to extensive, you know, ways of trying to control what the children were doing online to try to protect them from, you know, all the stuff, but. It seemed like no matter what we did, they found ways to skirt around them. Oh, the kids, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, you know, just that. that, But the need for, for control became so, you know, distressing that we had no control, really. You know. And there's two ways to go, right? Either you become... Again, you lose the sense of who you are in the control, and you're either constantly on fire with your kids, right. or you're constantly just giving in to whatever the hell they want, right? You're just, right. You're just appeasing a situation just so that sense of, uh, so, so you feel loved, so you feel cherished, so you feel heard, and, fo- and, and so you feel needed. But the problem is it's just an overly obsessive amount of control that leads to fear and anxiety and exhaustion. What else you got? Well, I wanted to add, if you're, if you're trying to control something and it's causing you that much stress and, you know, stress and unhappiness in the situation, you really need to look at that. Yeah. So if you're, okay, so let's, so, okay, so, so we'll do one real quick. So think about somebody you're in relationship with right now. Maybe it's your kids, your spouse. If there's a heavy sense and burden of control that is causing fear, anxiety, trepidation, uh, uh, just bad, dark thoughts, most likely, right? Why, most likely what we're saying is there's probably a little bit of obsession there codependently. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Keep going. Um, the exaggerated sense of responsibility for others. 
pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, but pretty, I mean, exaggerated. Yeah. I like guess. Like you need be. to do everything. Yes, uh, the tendency to do more than your share all the time. Uh, worker, worker B. Yeah, and so both of those kind of go together. And again, as, as a parent, is easy to to do. Which is, oh, as a mom, nobody can do everything that I do. And how will the family survive without me? I can't go away. I can't have a girls' weekend. I can't, you know, leave or do, you know, how will they survive? They won't survive. No, that's super, super real. I hear that all day long. What else? A tendency to feel hurt when people don't recognize your efforts. Yeah, so this is one that confuses people because a lot of people will turn, especially in the codependent, in, in that codependent en energy, they'll feel like righteously indignant when they feel like they've, somebody's crossed their, you know, some, somebody's crossed, you know, over their mat, right? So it's like, it's like, we got to get to a place where we understand that it's probably not hurt that we're feeling, right? It's probably not pain, anguish, hurt, like somebody's hurting or betraying me as much as it is this idea that the obsession that you're feeling emotionally has just been, you know, eradicated or sidestepped or not, uh, you know, not, um, not what, not, not, you know, been seen or heard. And so this is where we go, well, I'm hurt. Well, they hurt me. And most of the time it's just not hurt. It's actually more like, you probably being mirrored for your ugly behavior. Mm -hmm. um, indecision. That was a huge red flag to me when I first was made aware of these characteristics. I'm probably the most indecisive person you've ever met. I've never noticed. Never, never noticed that about you. So I'm often made fun of, of going to a restaurant and, you know, There'll be two things on the menu, and I can't decide which one. Well, no. I say there's <laughs> one thing on the menu, and you can't decide which one. Yeah, I mean, that's a... Okay, so that's a big trait. Like, in that indecision, right, that indecisiveness, codependently speaking, because you can be indecisive. I mean, I don't necessarily know if there's anything wrong with that, but co the, the energy of codependency is going gonna, is gonna to create this idea that you can't pull triggers, and you can't pull right. triggers because... You're going to make the wrong decision. Yeah. And things are going to be wrong or go wrong yeah. or be bad. Or, yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's real. So, you know, again, think about your relationships real quick. What else you got? Your happiness is dependent on your loved one. Yeah. That's, again, that'll kill you. Yeah. That'll, that'll kill you all day long. But, you know, in a codependent relationship, that other person more than, more than likely is unhappy or, 100%. you know, doing destructive things that are, going to keep you both in a cycle of unhappiness. The thing I say about, you know, people, places, and things, right? Nobody, no person, no place, no thing is going to make you happy. So then somebody says, well, you know, but I, but I love them. And I'm like, listen, you love with people. That's what you do. You love with them. So you love with your kids. You love with your spouse, with your friends, with your family. This isn't the idea that they're pulling up to a gas station of love and you're filling them up every every five seconds or you are going to the love gas station these are things that come from divine this is divine energy this is god space this is the uh, you know again the spiritual practice uh, the, the contemplative way of living where we are finding strength in us in god in community so you know just remember that no person place or thing is going to turn your nut yes uh lack of sorry lack of sense of self outside the relationship 
We pretty much talked about that. <laughs> That's you sitting in the van? <laughs> yeah. What the I hell would nap I in the van. I know you would. I would, I would go to a park and literally sleep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not that you didn't need it, but, but the again, the idea is outside of the kids, you didn't know who the hell you were. No, no idea. Yeah. I mean, I was a mom. That that was and who there's I identified r- as. And we should clarify, because yes. I can hear the, the people right now. If you're a mom, you're a mom. That's how it goes. Like that's I'm a dad. So there's nothing wrong with being a dad. There's nothing wrong with being a mom and there's nothing wrong with pouring into your children. What 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 we're what we're going after here is you not losing you in the momming or in the dadding. That's a real big ass thing to understand. Yeah, and to go even further, I would say I was a mom of special needs children. So there's a whole world of other moms with special needs children that you identify you know, with yeah, because your life that, is on fire, right? But, but that's, that's like all you are, because yeah. it over it overtakes your life. Yeah, especially three, especially with three multiples. Of, yeah, multiples of them. Um, difficulty, difficulty identifying your feelings and those of others. That's another big one. Um, so it's like you're looking, you're like having relationships, and you're just really having a hard time, really understanding what's going on on the other side of the fence there. Like, you're with right. people and you're like, I'm really not clear where you are emotionally. Like, you're not taking the cues that people can give off emotionally. Is that what you're saying? I think it's identifying your own feelings. Oh, your own feelings. Gotcha. Identifying your feelings. Gotcha. So you're, I'm having a hard time specifically understanding my sorrow, my shame, my guilt, my fear. Gotcha. Okay. Right. Uh, I definitely have have had that characteristic. Uh Rigidity, difficulty adjusting to change. Huge one for me. I hate change. Yeah, what is that? What is that? That's just fear. It's just fear and trepidation and and, and lack of... Probably fear. Uncertainty drives you crazy. Maybe uncertainty. Yeah, yeah. Or just the new, you know, newness, not knowing what to expect. I mean, the uncertain thing is real. I mean, COVID and economics and political and war and... You know, again, to be grounded with who you are, particularly as you understand divine God in your life, what you're doing is you're moving, you're moving into spaces that are really helping you define who you are and understanding the specifics of who you are, limitations, strengths, the whole nine yards, all this emotional mumbo jumbo that we're talking about with codependency and addiction. These things move you to a much stronger position, undefended life. Nothing to prove, nothing to lose, versus the the idea that everything outside of you is gonna gonna again turn your nut. Yeah, I would say also it goes back to your senses of control. If you stay where you are, you know, there's no changes. Then you you know or you think you know how you're controlling things. When you ch- make changes, you feel out of control or like you have no control because. When things change, you don't have control. You don't know what to expect or what will happen. So, you know, I think there's a lot of fear in that change. I think you do. I mean, I think since you've really been working this, at least as my observation to you, I, I think you, you've done really well in that. Like, I, I find you much less rigid than you used to be, you know, five yes. years ago, for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, and you used to be a deadhead, too, so that's, you know. <laughs> well, I think I finally came to the realization that I was missing out on a lot of things just out of that, you know, wanting that sense of control and and not wanting things to change. Yeah, that's huge. 
That's huge. To be unburdened with codependency is a freedom that says, I want to go join. Yes. I want to go be with. Yeah. I want to f- do this. I want to do this, right? I want to do things and you know experience things I haven't and that the change isn't scary. What do you want to do? What's one of your What's one of your things you want to do? Is there something sitting um, in there? Travel. Yeah, travel. All right. Okay, we'll do that. What else you got? A sense of guilt when asserting yourself. Copy that. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, even people think I'm super aggressive and I don't fear things because of my personality, but I, I totally get Like, especially with the kids, I feel like sometimes if I'm dis- like a particular youngest, I walk away after I discipline him feeling like shit and guilty that I, I just, I do it with him, with him in particular. Yeah, that's super, super, because I'm, I, I get overly concerned, again, a little bit obsessive on that attachment with him. And then right. when I discipline him, it's like, oh, he's going to hate me. Right. You fear the attachment's not, it's going to leave. Yeah. Yeah. That's real. And the last one is resentment. Huge killer. Resentment's a killer. Yeah. I'm yeah. not sure if I've had resentment. Well, you're funny. I've, again, resentment, um, Resentment is a killer. It's a silent killer. It also leads to contempt. People who listen to me hear me say things like anger in threes. There's anger at the end of your nose, like that regular everyday anger. Then there's resentment, rehashing of that anger. Then there's contempt, which is a way of living off of resentment. So resentment for the codependent is I'm helping, I'm helping, I'm helping. You're not giving, you're not giving, you're not giving. So now I resent, resent, resent you, even though you're putting yourself in a position to serve. So like, again, the healthy part is I'm going to serve and and not expect anything back. The codependent says I'm going to serve. And if I don't get anything back, I'm going to resent you. Mm. Yeah. Is that you or no? Um, You don't, you, your anger thing. I don't know. You, you. God did something miraculous in you and pulled that off the table. I get pissed. Not I really. Get, I get. I get pissed. Not really. I get pissed knowing that you don't get pissed. I get pissed. You've seen me get pissed. I, listen, we all seen you get pissed, and we all know, like, holy crap, there's some business there. When you get like, I get mad probably so regularly. People are like, oh, whatever, shut up. When you get mad, it's like, holy crap, stop the train. That's true. That my daughter has said. You know, she's not she's not scared of dad when he's mad, but boy, she's scared of mom when she's mad. Well, and you're Sicilian, so there's a whole bunch of other things going on. Like we're afraid the knives will come out and like be thrown across the uh-huh. kitchen. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Thanks for that list. Appreciate your blog. What to do with it? Um, here's six things to do with it. <clears throat> Connect with yourself. Deeper journey. Ask yourself, what do you want? What do you like? Who am I? Get into the good the bad, and the ugly. Ask yourself why you are seeking approval. Why am I seeking approval? Uh, Second one, seek independence from those who you are overly hooked into or overly obsessive with. That's hard. That's huge because your independence will feel completely categorically opposite to the way you feel your heart is driving you. Uh, Number three, grow personally, spiritually, Again, lean into some of the spiritual mechanisms that are in you already. The ability to have faith, the ability to join faith communities, the ability to have a spiritual direction, mentorship. Um, you know, Dai has got a spiritual director. I have a spiritual director. They're both freaking nails, man, when it comes down to it. 
And they're both different. They're both very different personalities. One for you, one for me. Obviously, the spiritual director I have needs to carry a big club. Um, for break routines. Break routines with your codependency. You know, like Di said, it's like, it's like I can't pull triggers. Pull triggers. Uh, I go away for a day of rest and I sleep in the van. Go away for a day of rest and go to an amusement park. Like really throw a wrench into it. Break your routine. Number five, dig deep into your childhood. So a lot of people want to argue at this one because they, they think going backwards isn't going forwards. But at the end of the day, codependency does come out of how we are formed emotionally in, a, in our attachments. So you really got to look at it. Were you the child of an alcoholic? Were you the child of a, another codependent? Were you a child of a parent who had any kind of addiction? Were you the child who had the mom and dad of a codependent? Were your mom and dad codependent? So dig into your childhood. Markers of trauma, right? Childhood also have, will have markers of trauma along with your 20s, your teens, and your teens. I mean, you're going to have trauma probably pre-built into your life until you die at some level. So dig into those, dig into those traumas. Six one uh, is seek help. Uh, again, spiritual direction, therapist, Al-Anon meetings, 12-step uh, groups, um, die again. You, Where would you say you worked most of your codependency out? With, probably with... Probably with Carol? Yes, my spiritual director. Yeah. I worked I worked the majority of my codependency out with Cheryl, with 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 mine. And my codependency was I mean, my codependency hurt the family hard. Um not not proud of the things that I did as a codependent, but uh, I I had to get nitty gritty with my spiritual director and she ran me through the paces pretty good to kind of lift my head up and really start that deeper journey. Um is there another one you want to add onto that list with what to do with it? Well, don't read it. I mean, you're like, you're like, hold on, let me, let me just look at the list here. Let me just number one. Is there, is there anything that you would add that I, that I missed in that list of six? Again, there's a bunch of other things to do, obviously. I, I don't have the definitive. Uh, I mean, list. I think I would say expand your community. Um, you know, get outside of the the norms, like you were saying, but with people. Yeah. Yeah. When expanding your community too, I, I like this idea of you starting to connect with the things you want, want to do like travel. Like, uh, I think there is such a freedom in the ability to kind of suck that consciousness in like, Oh man, I feel like I'm missing something. And then again, bust the route. It's going to be uncomfortable, bust the routine and then go and do go and do go, go and, and meet and greet right. and, talk and laugh and, and, uh, the ability to distract and have some fun, the, the jewelry making for you, the travel for you. Recently, we've been going to a bunch of shows and theater and, uh, connecting with other groups. I, I am, uh, connected to a 12 step group, for example, and th that is so refreshing. Yeah. I've connected with, I created a garden group. Oh yeah. This is a great story. Yeah. Because there, I couldn't find one. And so you know, and it's been great. I've met some great people. We meet up every once in a while. We communicate a lot online, you know, and it's something I absolutely love. Don't be so self-focused. Don't be siloed. If you feel your sense of self-focus, siloing and self-centering, most likely you are. <laughs> That's just all there is to it. You're okay. You're human. Uh, bottom line, you're okay. You're human. 
Is there something wrong with you if you're, you're a codependent? You hear me say it all the time. There's nothing wrong with you. You're a human being. Human beings have certain mechanisms that we attach to ourselves to find safety and security. Our ego and our feel, fear will do a damn good job at screwing all that up and usually leading into some unhealthy behaviors. The reason I say there's nothing wrong with you is because you have a consciousness and you're able to make some choices and decisions. So make some choices and decisions today. Look at your wonderful relationships that are around you. Kind of scale on where the health is there and then start to bust some routines. If you need help, you can always uh, write and call me. My name and my number are everywhere. It's jrman, J-R-M-A-H-O-N.com. Name and number are all over there. Go ahead and text me and we can get you... Uh, you know, a session of spiritual direction, we can directly talk about you, codependency, and God. Uh, and that would be a, a, you know, a fancy thing. For those of you looking to retreat, uh, if you're looking for a retreat, Di and I run a retreat space called The Retreat at Ridgewood. You can also find that on jrman.com. Just hit The Retreat at Ridgewood and you can find all the particulars. It's a great place to find your silence, your stillness, your peace. You can also incorporate spiritual direction into your retreat. You can also... Uh, see what Di's doing with the micro farming. Di's a massive micro farmer and she's got all kinds of projects and sustainability on the property that you can get into. Um, one of the things that we drive at while you retreat is to be able to get your hands dirty uh, in the ground and the earth and just kind of you know reconnect with all that stuff. Um, tabletop, what were you going to well, say? They follow me. I'm running the retreat at Ridgewood Instagram account. You are the woman behind yeah. the Instagram so follow account. Follow us at the Retreat at Ridgewood on Instagram. Yeah, do that. That would be fantastic. You can see all the shenanigans we got going on on the farm. Tabletop Ministries. We are an official five hundred one c three. We love your money. Period. End of story. And here's what we do with your money: we take your money and we make sure people um, that have no resources are able to get some spiritual direction. So we have people come from come to Tabletop from all over the country, all over the world, really. And some people just don't have the resources to afford those traditional levels of counseling and therapy. And that's where we step in as spiritual directors and make sure that they are uh, having somebody tend to their soul and tend to their relationships with God and tend to the relationship of love um, that is in them and that we all know you get. So uh, go to Tabletop. Uh, we've got a campaign currently going right now, which is, what are we calling it? 50 with 30? Yeah. 50, is that what I call it? 50 yeah, yeah. We're looking for your 30 bucks a month. Um, and that basically helps cover sessions sessions with people that just don't have the resources to do it. Um, not a lot of cash. 30 bucks, you're going you're gonna to dump down the drain with coffee for a week. So uh, we can justify it a million different ways. But uh, if you're thinking that you want to donate to a nonprofit, we're your people. If you have any kind, uh, any kind of questions uh, or comments on, on either the blogs or the podcast, feel free to write in. We love you. We thank you for sticking with our passion. Hey, thanks for joining me. You're welcome. Next time, you and I are going to talk about grief and sorrow. Great. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's pretty funny. Uh, next time, we're going to talk about grief and sorrow. Love you all. We'll see you. Bye. Bye.